You're listening to Fireside with Founders, the podcast that gives you a behind-the-curtains insight into the journeys of some of the world's coolest startups and their amazing founders. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Fireside with Founders. Uh, So this week, I'm joined by James McCauley, who is CEO and co-founder of Encore Musicians. Um, so Encore Musicians is a, a marketplace for musicians, effectively. Um, hey, James, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Struggling in this heat a little bit, but um, otherwise, yeah, all good. Yeah, it's nice and warm at the moment. Uh, I don't know what it'll be like when the podcast goes out, but probably be raining, knowing, knowing the UK. I'd be happy with that, actually. Like, this 34 degrees is just is too hot, quite yeah. frankly. <laughs> Definitely too hot. Everyone in Britain loves to complain if it's raining or if it's too hot. Yep. It's never quite right. Uh, no, never. Um, so look, that was a very, very brief introduction to, to you and the business. Um, I'd love it if you could tell the, the listeners a bit more about what you guys do at Encore Musicians. Sure, yeah. So you hit the nail on the head. Encore is a marketplace for booking musicians. And primarily, uh, we book musicians for weddings, for parties, for corporate events, um, and we, we honestly do book every type of musician under the sun. Uh, we do your sort of usual cover bands, wedding bands, string quartets and DJs. But we've also booked um, huge orchestras and mariachi bands and barbershop groups and all sorts. So I started the company six years ago now um, with my co-founder, who's also called James. And since then, we've handled over 10,000 bookings. I think we've paid out just over five million pounds to our musicians in total and yeah it's it's been like quite a ride and quite a journey so far and uh, looking like a really nice business now perfect that was much more clear and succinct than my introduction so uh, <laughs> hope, uh, you'd hope that as a founder i'd be able to to give a, a pretty good introduction after six years of doing this yeah hopefully you've pitched it enough by now absolutely yeah um, so look, we were talking a moment ago, and, um, and one of the things that I wanted to discuss. So that, that's the sort of the overview of the business. Now, obviously, we know everything that's come along in about COVID, and surprise, surprise, it's going to come up again in, in conversation. Um, and so that's the general sort of overview of what you guys do as a business. But I want to dive straight in actually, and really talk about the pivot that you've had because of COVID, and how, look at how it's affected your business, and how you've managed. To, to sort of see yourselves through the the storm that is the pandemic. Yeah, it's been quite a storm. Um, so yeah, I remember back in like mid February. Um, you know, most of us I think were starting to become aware of coronavirus um, as something that had had been going on in China and had just started to um, like escape China actually and go around the world. And I had an email from one of my investors who's. Um, a like a biologist um basically warning me about this and uh and his email you know like i got it at the time and and i i read it and it was worrying but also life in the uk was just so normal the media really wasn't paying much attention to coronavirus and so i read it and i mentioned it to my co-founder and we did actually talk about it in a board meeting in the sort of early part of february but honestly nobody else seemed to be aware um, of coronavirus as a, an incoming threat um, and then of course as February unfolded it started to look um, like more and more of a problem and what was interesting was 
as a business we were we were doing so well back then like the first week of march was the best week on record for encore um which was equally baffling because as the media was ramping up and saying you know we may go into a lockdown and events may need to be put on hold we were expecting customers to um to stop booking and to start sort of getting a bit shaky but they just kept on spending money on on live musicians which um was slightly baffling and yeah it wasn't until i think when boris made the announcement that pubs were going to be closed i think he made an announcement on a thursday and i think he might have said like from tomorrow like friday the 13th uh tomorrow evening you won't be able to go to the pub that was the point that everyone in britain i think started to lose their minds um and that was the point when yeah suddenly you know traffic dried up uh, everyone stopped booking um and yeah within the space of about a week um we went from doing like literally hundreds of bookings um a week um to to almost none um so yeah march was was quite a whirlwind and we were just sort of looking left right and center you know how can we um how how can we sort of reduce our costs uh which software don't we need um you know how can we just get ourselves some time speaking to investors and so my business partner and i um were having a lot of these like hard sort of high level financial conversations and meanwhile my team were sort of scratching their their heads and, and brainstorming potential like pivot ideas or or new revenue channels um because nobody was booking musicians and it looked like nobody was going to book them for a while and they did this without James and I because we were just we were so flat out and um I think they came up with a list of like 20 different ideas they sort of ranked these 20 different ideas that that we could try you know some of the ideas were like maybe slightly obvious ones like live streaming um because like the world and his dog was doing a Facebook live stream in March and April um but no one was charging money for them so we weren't sure that was the right area to go into um you know we had some more ideas around selling to our audience of musicians we've got 20,000 musicians registered if we can find a product that they want to buy um maybe we can make some money but they had no money cuz all of their bookings were being cancelled so they weren't a target market to go after we had to help them earn money um and i think as it happened mother's day was approaching and so we were thinking about you know like gifts that you would get your mother um the usual flowers um chocolates and some of us who are quite musical um said oh you could you know record a song for for your mum for mother's day and then this idea emerged of like personalized music messages where you could pay one of our musicians to take a song like a a pop song change some of the words to suit you know your specific circumstances and then record it so that you can send it to a loved one who was by themselves and yeah if you pardon the pun we definitely struck a chord there um and and what was amazing was that the team had this idea they like researched with customers the price point they like built like a very simple mvp using some of the tech we already had and they got it out and i think it was in like 10 days between like having the idea and having it you know live and it, it just took off we had hundreds of people sending these messages all over the world i i was on german tv uh i was on the radio like there were a lot of press articles about it and and yeah we just managed to capture the zeitgeist i think at a time when everyone was incredibly lonely and scared and um unable to connect with their loved ones 
um, we, we, we produced a product and like a gift that people could give uh, to people they cared about. Um, they could help a musician earn some money and and also every video had a donation to the NHS charities as well. So yeah, it was um it was it was like a combination of like very um fortunate luck, I think, and timing and like just great execution from my team and um yeah, really proud of, of how it panned out. Amazing. Yeah, that's uh, one hell of a hell of a pivot at a time whereby it would be easy to just put your head in your hands and go, well, everything's dried up. Um, and Which was a thought that was going through my head like pretty much every day as well at that time. Like it really was, as a company booking musicians for events, like it still is, but it definitely was like March and April were just bleak times. Um, so yeah, it was, it was great that we managed to find something positive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's you know, through adversity, through all of this, I think that, that people have realized that you can find positives from mm. it. Um, and so, where, where did the idea come from? Was it from one of your from one of your team then? By the sound of it, yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly I wasn't in the meeting um, when it happened, and and I'm pretty proud of that to be honest. Um, yeah, I think there was there was a brainstorming session where there was a spreadsheet and and lots of ideas were were ranked. I should dig out that sheet at some point. Um, and yeah, one of my team had this idea um, for sort of personalizing music messages. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's it's been quite popular. So it sounds very similar to um, to Cameo. Uh, it is really yeah, and actually Cameo isn't a product that I had come across, and it wasn't until we were developing this idea and getting close to launching it that that I looked at Cameo and and saw like it's a different segment um, of sort of performer. Like Cameo is is celebrities. Um, and they're often not performing a song; they're sort of just reading out a message. But but fundamentally, yeah, the same the same offering. Um, yeah, so I guess you could sort of describe it as um, cameo for booking like working musicians. Yeah. And how have you seen it now? So things have started to get better. We're allowed back into the pubs, you know, uh, at the moment, and um, you know, small gatherings and events are, are happening. In terms of your your typical marketplace platform, have you seen an uplift in bookings over the course of the Yeah, yeah, thankfully we have. Um, and it has been a slow, a sort of slow and steady um, recovery. And I, I, you know, we're, we're, not, we're not near where we were beforehand. It's going to take another, like at least another few months, I think, for us to, to get back to where we were. Um, but from that low point of, you know, literally zero bookings uh, and like a day or two going past with like nobody booking in April um, we have like steadily started to see um, customers return um, and now we, yeah we're actually doing um, we're doing a few hundred bookings a month again um, which is amazing and um, they're almost entirely for events in 2021 so a lot of our customers were moving their bookings to next year um, and so there's, I think there's going to be a huge sort of surge in demand for musicians next year, provided there's not some sort of awful second wave, um, because everyone who was supposed to do something this year is just pushing it back by 12 months, and everyone who was supposed to do something next year anyway is now like rushing to get their music booked. Um, so yeah, it could it could be quite a good time to run you know a, a live music business this time next year. Um, but yeah, to answer your question, we are starting to see um, a slow and steady recovery, yeah. 
good. It seems that the economy generally is getting back on its feet, which is positive, even if it is for the future long term. Yeah, yeah. And so let's let's take us back a bit. That's sort of fast forwarded quite quite sort of drastically in terms of where you guys are now. But how do you go from being a computer science graduate at, at Cambridge to setting up uh, a business that is effectively an online marketplace? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think I've I've wanted to run a business um, for quite a long time. Um, in secondary school, I was one of those kids who would buy a lot of like sweets and fizzy drinks and try and sell them for like a profit. And I actually, um, I actually kind of lost the market to another guy in my school who had a Costco membership card and so was getting far better prices and could just, he made huge margins and he could still offer better prices than me. So it was like a really valuable lesson at the age of 14. Um, but yeah, even then, you know, just making some money myself um, was something that I found very satisfying. Um, at uni, I, I ran a very small design business um, just to like make some extra money to pay rent because um, I just didn't want to ask my parents um, for money. And I also started this this um, business called Which May Ball, which was like an events comparison website in Cambridge um, for comparing these like black tie events that happen at the end of the year. And that got quite popular and um, gave me a bit of a taste of, you know, getting a lot of user feedback and iterating a product and selling ad space to local businesses. Um, and halfway through Cambridge, I had this idea for like a network of musicians. Um, I, I would get asked to play in different concerts and at parties with my band. And I thought it would be much easier if there was just a big directory of every musician in Cambridge and had this idea bouncing around my head for a while. And in my second year, I gave a presentation of some group uh, work that I'd done as part of my course. And Matt Clifford, who's the CEO of Entrepreneur First, was in the audience and said, you know, come to this cocktail evening, we're going to tell you about this new program called Entrepreneur First. Entrepreneur First had just started. I think they were just finishing their first year and they were about to take in their second ever cohort. So I went to um, this cocktail bar and just met people who were like just like me. Um, like a lot of them had, you know, run small businesses themselves in uni um, and were about to join EF and, and do something really quite cool. And I met a lot of other people from around Cambridge that I'd never met before who were also interested in joining EF. So I applied to Entrepreneur First. Um, I got in and yeah, as soon as I graduated, um, literally, I graduated on a Saturday morning, moved to London Saturday afternoon, and the next week um, I was, you know, joining Entrepreneur First and sort of brainstorming different ideas. And EF just gave me like the time and the the space to to try this and to make it work because um, it's a really great program. They give you some some money, um, like a stipend, basically, to to try and make this work for a few months. Um, and if you can get something off the ground, then they'll give you that very first initial investment. And if I hadn't been able to do that, I would have had to go and, you know, get a full-time job and try this in the evenings and the weekends. And it would have been just a much slower uh, process. So, yeah, I, I owe a lot of um, of Encore's sort of success. And to be honest, I owe Encore to, um, you know, the fact that Entrepreneur First gave me that time, that space, that mentoring and helped me meet my co-founder as well. 
because uh, I actually I wouldn't have met him if we both hadn't done Entrepreneur First. I think that's one of the things that I've learned by speaking to more and more people in your position is that that's where a lot of co-founders have met is at, at places like Entrepreneur First. Yeah. Um, and it, it really is somewhere where you can go and find like-minded people. So, um, so having met your your co-founder James also at uh, Entrepreneur First, how did you two come up with the idea for for the business? When did the penny drop? Yeah. So. I'd had this idea sort of bouncing around my head for a year actually and so there was a there was a pretty clear vision of a network of musicians and and when we first started it was actually a little bit like LinkedIn for musicians we were very musician focused and we were giving them profiles and giving them tools to find other musicians and they were quite interested in it and musicians were responding to you know our our conversations and and our emails saying you know this is quite interesting like a LinkedIn for musicians does sound kind of useful and then about 12 months in once we'd actually built like the bookings technology that let a customer come in and say I'm looking for a string quartet to play at my wedding next summer once we sort of took this network of a few thousand musicians and like exposed it to the public in a very simple way then the pitch to musicians became we have like a steady stream of customers who are looking to pay money um, to hire musicians just like you and suddenly the penny dropped with musicians where like this was a, you know another great channel for them to get work and every single musician is just constantly looking for um, you know their next gig and, and to try and fill up their calendar as much as possible and there's this um, sort of analogy of, of vitamins and painkillers in startups where like the vitamin is something nice to have um, that you sometimes remember to take and the painkiller is something that it solves a very immediate and pressing problem. Um, and I think the, the first idea for like this LinkedIn for musicians was a bit of a vitamin. And as soon as we said to musicians, like, here's, you know, a stream of customers who want to book you, uh, that was the, that was the painkiller. And that was the sort of product market fit moment on the supplier side anyway. So you always been into the music scene. I think I, I read somewhere that You'd always wanted to, to sort of be part of Spotify or, or something along those sort of lines, and now you have your, your sort of own version of it. So that yeah, be- absolutely. I went to a music school when I was a teenager, and my parents—I mean, they actually met in an orchestra. So um, I—I've been surrounded by music my whole life. I nearly became a professional musician. I nearly went to music college, but decided to do computer science instead. Um, and yeah, I—I—I I, I love music and I love performing. And when I was a teenager and, and like at uni, the companies I was obsessed with were companies like Spotify and SoundCloud and Last.fm, if anyone remembers Last.fm as well. And I really wanted to work at a company like that. I wanted to be surrounded by people who were really interested in tech and like solving hard problems and building you know, new products and people who you know would spend their evenings going to gigs and might be in a band themselves and were just utterly obsessed with music and to me that was the sort of dream workplace and like the the dream team to work with and yeah i feel very like fortunate and very privileged now that i i sort of run my own uh company that is that is just like that you know pretty much everyone i think everyone apart from one person in our team plays at least two instruments um people before lockdown were constantly going out to gigs we had jams in the office because we have like a guitar and a piano and yeah it's 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 been great so far that's a pretty cool place to work 
you can uh, have a jam. So I'm, I'm imagining that the team are looking forward to getting back into the office at some point. Yeah, we are, we are actually uh, going to experiment with a couple of days a week starting in September, which is now about three weeks away. So yeah, I think the majority of us are, are really looking forward to that. Um, we had our first in-person social um, just last week, actually. We just met up outside for some drinks um, and it was great. And there was like a real energy when the team was sort of brought together again. So yeah, I think it's going to be pretty special once we're, we're all back in the office, even just once or twice a week. Absolutely, I think a lot of people are looking forward to that at the moment. So mm. um, hopefully, the sooner the sooner the better that we can get back to some sort of normality. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of the things that's really impressed me about the the business is that you've managed to grow it and certainly grow the platform, but whilst having a fairly lean business in terms of personnel in there. And I think there's a a bit of a, um, a thought process that a lot of people think that to be a successful startup or business, you have to grow exponentially at a huge scale. And I think that, that can be fundamentally wrong. So how have you managed to keep yourself you know, grounded in terms of being able to grow that business, but keeping the business really, really lean and, and looking towards profit? Yeah. So, so we raised, we were quite a small team for the first couple of years. We were like, two people for the first year and then four for the second and then we raised half a million pounds um, as our sort of seed round and we we went from like four people to ten people in something like two or three months and it was a pretty sudden uh, drastic change to be honest and um, and yeah like obviously we started to become more productive as a company when we had ten people but I also noticed that there were just so many like process things to figure out and and there were a lot of things that that we weren't getting right at that point. We had to sort of learn like how to 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 run the team um efficiently, but I think we just naively thought like um there's a sort of linear relationship between how much you can get done and how many people you have in the company, so like just hire more people and you should get more done, and revenue should just go up and and it didn't. Um, it like you know hiring people does not just like create revenue growth unfortunately um, and and so we started to learn yeah that um, we maybe didn't quite know which roles we we, we absolutely needed so for example um, we we hired like a full-time marketing person a few years ago um, and um, it didn't work out but we got to a point you know last year where we had a part-time marketing person um, who was only doing something like five hours a week because we just spent quite a lot of time refining our marketing and they were just tweaking things every week and our marketing like was performing so so well like we didn't need a full-time person we only needed five hours a week really at the stage we were at and if I look back um, at that point when we hired you know six extra people and we were about ten like our monthly revenue like our our commission uh, that we make was only you know like maybe eight or ten K a month um, and we had 10 people and and before lockdown um, we were getting up to like uh, 50 60k a month and we still had 10 people um, so we just figured out over the last few years that you can do a lot with very few people um, and we've always tried to keep the team keep the team lean and uh, to give people maybe one or two areas of responsibility and yeah we just we, we were really pursuing um, profitability instead of the sort of huge you know raise a, a massive amount of VC money go big or go home sort of mentality because I think those companies can be really bloated and I think those are the sorts of companies that have just had to let go you know half of their workforce or whatever um, 
and and we wanted to we wanted to be profitable we wanted to have like a a sustainable and an efficient business and then we were going to raise like a series a because uh, i was hearing mutterings anyway that vcs were getting less and less um attracted to these like high growth but low profitable low profitability companies um because of like companies like we work uh, showing some of the problems and and we were having vc conversations before lockdown and and the, the unit economics and the profitability of the business and the growth with like such a small team were all like huge um sort of assets and like huge positives that they were they were really impressed by so yeah there is there is one school of thought which is just you know go out raise a lot of money hire a lot of people make sure you're growing and like figure out the economics later but but we really we didn't want to we didn't want to do that and i'm really glad that we have sort of taken the path that we've taken because we've shown you can you can grow a lot and you can get an awful lot done um you know with with a very small team of people absolutely and I, there's, there's nothing wrong with doing it either way um yeah yeah each to his own exactly um but i i can definitely see and you can see when you're talking about it the value that VCs would have if they can come in and invest in a, a business that's already profitable um, and it's not going to be sort of hemorrhaging money for want of a better phrase, they should be more attracted to, to give you a better deal. Exactly. And I think even that's even more true now um, with, you know, with coronavirus and with this really like shaky, uncertain time. Like if you have a solid business that, that is, you know, profitable even now, um, that's just going to play in your favor massively. So many businesses now are trying to figure out profitability in, in like one of the most unpredictable markets there's ever been um, with just dwindling cash in the bank. And, and that's a really hard, tricky position to be in. So, yeah. And so that you were, you were getting yourself towards a really profitable position uh, before COVID hit. COVID obviously hit. We've then talked about the fact that you've, you've pivoted the business and, and changed what you're doing, but whilst keeping the core structure of what you do, what's next? Where do you go, where do you go from here, moving through the rest of this year and beyond? Yeah, so we well this year we're obviously focused on just recovering and, and sort of getting back um, to where we were before. Um, really, like we we were growing quite quickly, and, and our focus was to sort of become like the leading player in the UK market. Um, there are one or two companies who I think are still doing more bookings than us in the UK at the moment, um, but we're, we're catching up rapidly. Um, so yeah, like first port of call really is to become the sort of go-to destination in the UK. Um, we were looking at, you know, other, other countries as well um, and assessing, you know, um, if when we internationalize like which which countries would we go after first um and we were also looking into uh you know other verticals as well like we we we're actually just this week um we've just brought in someone part-time to help with the photography side of our business um because uh, you know our customers are booking musicians and they still need help finding a photographer or maybe a marquee for the band to play in in the evening um and and you know it would be an incredibly strong business uh, to run if you could help someone book three or four suppliers for their event, not just not just one. Uh, so yeah, we're also looking at, at those additional verticals and and thinking um, which ones do we go after next? And and again, like we did with music, what's the most efficient way 
of doing that. And, and right now it's literally just bringing someone in part time to help these customers who are telling us that they're looking for photographers. Um, and if the demand is there and it ramps up, then we'll bring in someone full time and look at sort of growing that team out. So, yeah, it's, it's a combination of assessing uh, different markets, um, which is quite interesting at the moment because some uh, companies like Encore, uh, you know, around Europe have, have gone bankrupt in the last few months and, and there's a lot of opportunities sort of emerging. And I sadly anticipate that, you know, some of our competitors in the UK will go out of business over the next few months as well. So there's going to be some, some opportunities emerging geographically. And then we're also looking at these additional verticals and thinking, um, what is the, what's the most efficient way for us to, to sort of get into those, those new verticals. Perfect. Well, I think that hopefully we see some world domination from you then pretty soon. Once yeah, fingers crossed. The market's righted itself. Yeah. Um, well, look, thank you so much for your time, James. Thanks for coming on. And yeah, thank you for having me. It was really, really interesting. Hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have you, have you back in on another series once you've, uh, so pivoted again, probably, and uh, and had even further growth. Yeah, that would be that would be brilliant. Thanks very much, Rupert. Once again, thank you to James for coming on this week's show. Another truly inspiring story. Next week, we've got Sam Short from Moneyed coming on to talk about their product, which is an app that empowers people to take control of their financial future. We'll be talking about how they've come up with the idea, looking at her journey through from being a data scientist to founding her own business, all that and much, much more. Do follow us on our Facebook page, our LinkedIn page. Please comment, feedback, like, share. You know what to do. Hope you can join us soon.